Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Peter. Peter, it's 9.36 in the morning and it already feels like I've, I shouldn't be a- awake. Ugh, I mean, I'm all hay fevery as well. I sound like I've got a cold, but it's just, it's it's the hay fevs. Oh no. Yeah. Are you going to be okay? I'll be fine. I think the best cure is... Today's sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all about it, Ben. I will. This is a very real sponsor that sponsors the show this week. Um, this week we are brought to you by The Last of Gus. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a a new limited TV series coming to BBC Seven. Oh, wow. That's the best one. A, it's also a new channel, I think. Yeah. BBC Seven it presents The Last of Gus. Uh, it's a show... About a man named Gus. Uh, he's a he's a mushroom farmer Ooh. whose business is threatened by a world dooming pandemic. Okay. So it's like a it's like a, a focus on this on this on this small man in a big world, and everything's gone to plops around him. But he just wants it's just it's it's a comedy basically, it, focusing on the daily struggle of Gus, um, who. Who is the last of Gus, right. and uh, and his mushroom farm where he farms mushrooms? Well, see, I don't want to point any fingers, but if if it's if Gus is a mushroom farmer and mm. there's a sort of a world shattering pandemic in something that sounds, I'm sure this is a coincidence, but it sounds a little bit like that game The Last of Us. But uh, oh my you know, god, yeah, it does sound a little bit like that. Is it a is it a fungal related pandemic? Is my question. Um, you'll just have to watch and find out. Oh, I I wonder if I wonder if Gus is behind it all. I mean, oh, spoilers. It's just a fan it. theory. It is a BBC show, so it it only has four episodes. Yeah, and there each of them is three hours long. Uh, right. So there's a, there's a lot of TV there, and yeah. uh, it'll probably end on a cliffhanger and never be renewed because the BBC likes to do that. Love it. So that's it. The Last of Gus coming very soon. It's all shot by one man, also named Gus, actually, oh. in his um, in his basement. It's stop motion. That's an important thing. It's stop motion wow. animation. Creepy. 
and 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 it's also not real. What? It's not real. It's Fungus not real. and Gromit. It's not motion. <laughs> yes, it's not real. I'm afraid. Uh, you fools! You fell for it. You fall for it every time. You idiots! Uh, I wanted got it to be you. real that time. It's uh, it's not real. It's not real. I'm sorry. The real sponsor of this show, Peter, as is the case every week, are the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump where you can support us and everything we do financially. You don't have to. Listening is and, and sharing with your friends is more than enough. But if you want to go above and beyond and, and actively uh, help us out and, and keep the lights on, so to speak, then do consider going over there for just $1 per month. You can access the weekly podcast post where we ask for your questions and you can submit your questions there and we'll take questions and use them on the show where we'll answer your questions because you've asked questions and we'll do the questions. But there are other tiers available, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can get Worst Games Ever a couple of days early for, I think, $5 redos. Uh, there's there's sort of exclusive merch on there and uh, well, if you go if you go way up there, you can get kind of signed photos and an actual real physical worst game ever one that we've Whoa. played on the show that we will scribble all over for you and we'll send that to you in a box madness yeah. so many options so do consider supporting if you can just like uh, just like peter austin who <gasps> asked a question on patreon which was ben where are we walking today oh i always miss that bit yeah i added it to the running order and i always forget that it's there yeah. Where are we walking today? We are walking in uh, through the moon from Wallace and Gromit. I feel like we've already been on the moon. We've already done that one, yeah. We've already been on the moon. all Something... the landscapes in the infinite, real and fictional places in the world, and you've chosen the same one twice. It's just the moon is fun, isn't it? It's all cheesy and, and sort of undulating. What a it. great place. Okay, something to do with Wallace and Gromit. What do you think? Where are we uh... going? Oh man, I'm trying to think of sort of wide open landscapes that they've been <laughs> they've been in. It's mostly interiors in that show. It is, it is. Um, oh, what God. about a sheep field? We could definitely do a sheep field. We did go through a muddy field last time. Well, this one's got sheep in it. It's completely different. I mean, no one can argue with that. Okay, yeah. here we are in the sheep field. What a lovely field. Great. Love it. Just like... Uh, just like Will Baker, who says... Bonjour, you silly, silly lads. What I want to know is, do you do anything special before you settle in for a few hours on the games? I, for instance, like to get the duvet off my bed and cover it uh, and cover the sofa in it, and then pad a couple of pillows around me to make a nice, comfy space. Keep up the always great content. Cheers. Good question, Will. Thank you, Will. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really. I don't. I don't. I certainly don't make a, a a little space for me. I obviously make sure the sofa hasn't got you know a corpse on it. I, mean, I always move the mm -hmm. corpse off the sofa, mm -hmm. um, yeah. but I don't sort of floof anything up or do anything like that. I think one thing that I always do make a point of doing though is I get myself a drink and I, I pop it on the the little. Uh, my sofa's pushed right up to that kind of side workspace worktop that we do our cooking on. Yes. Um, so I can kind of reach a drink from there from where I'm sitting. So I pop a little drink there. And I always, if I'm hungry, eat before I game. I, oh. I never eat and game at the same time unless possibly I've got people around or I'm at someone else's house and there's just a sort of bowl of snackage on the on the, on the the table. But I would right. never, um, you know, like I quite often 
quite often like nuts sometimes when I get in from work just to keep me going. Yeah, just a little bowl of nuts and I wouldn't ever eat those while gaming. I would eat them first before I played. And it's not even, I'm not even sort of doing it from a don't want to get crumbs on my controller point of view. It's not even that. It's just I find it quite hard to concentrate and play the game if I'm sort of having to reach for food all the time. So, yeah. The exception to the rule though is Doritos, obviously, because every gamer needs to be be shoving those in their face at all times yeah and when i say i have a drink by me it's obviously mountain dew the american Mm. version that's probably not even allowed to be sold in europe yes you have to buy it from uh, asian supermarkets in newcastle to get the good stuff yeah they deliver it to you in a hazmat suit Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm it's true so yeah that's that's kind of the extent to i uh, to which i go really i don't i don't go mad but what about you you got any rituals well, I I play games throughout the week anyway after work and mm. so on. So there's there's no there's no special sort of making making our final approach now to JFK. Yeah. It's uh on on Saturdays though. If if I'm not entertaining, which obviously I haven't been, or doing anything, which obviously I haven't been, uh what I tend to do is is Saturday is almost chore day. Right. So I I tend to do most of my video game playing on Saturdays or Sundays just because I have more spare time. So I always make sure on Saturdays if, say, we weren't hiding in our homes currently, yes. I would uh, I would go out, I would uh, go up to uh, the, the local supermarket and get anything I needed and run any errands I needed to run in town. Then I would come back or, you know, get my hair cut or whatever, then come back and go for a run, um, tidy around the house, put, put a load of washing on, all with the aim of when it once I've you know I've had a shower and once I've hit like uh, two three p.m. I can then sit down on the sofa and feel completely accomplished that I've done everything I needed to do that day yeah. and then I can just sit there and play games until probably about six seven o'clock and then I'll start drinking. Sometimes I'll drink a little earlier than that because mm-hmm. you know it's Saturday it's treat day and uh, and then it's just anybody's guess. But for me Saturday is. Uh, is usually get all get all your chores done, get them done, and then you can settle in and play the video games. Lovely. So it's a little little treat, something to look forward to. The light at yeah. the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Although weirdly, I do like you know my my set Saturday routine. I enjoy going into town and sorting out the things I need to do. And yeah, it's satisfying. Yeah, you sit down, and you're like, I did something today, and that's now it's time Saturday. to not do anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Satisfactory day. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I hope we answered that nicely, yeah. <laughs> because it's time to move on to a brand new section that's never been done before in the history of the world. Isn't that right, Peter? Yes, it is. Let me just grab some paper. Oh, uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Well, we could do. Let's, why not? That Whoa, I mean, you're breaking se- several protocols here, but... Yeah, well... Hang on. Hang on. I've got one piece of thin card or thick paper. I want to hear what that sounds like. I'm going to let you do this on your own. Okay. It's time for What We Play In. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) It's time for What We Playing. Peter Austin, as is usually the case, you will tell me what you are playing first. Yes, that's right. I have finished Star Wars Jedi Knight (gasps) Jedi Academy. Wow. The game with lots of subtitles. Yes. Because it's Dark Forces as well, I think, technically. It's part of that series. Star Wars Dark Dark Forces Forces, Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that might be... It's one of the first times I've completed that game. I think once or twice I, I completed it on Xbox 360 or whatever it was that I had it on when I had it on console. But uh, we had we had a weird issue. It was during a stream. And uh, we got to, I got to the last level and I was about five minutes away from entering the final room in this big tomb where you fight a ghost. And the game just crashed. And I was like, oh, that's a bit weird. I've never had that before. And it just wouldn't launch again. And oh. the game had just completely destroyed itself. And I was like, oh no, I don't know what to do. Am I going to have to restart my PC? I'm trying to stream here. Um, anyway, eventually it became apparent that I had to uh, verify my Steam files. Where Steam like checks the game files. And it's like, oh, yeah, somehow a file has just gone or been corrupted. So we'll download that one file for you again for Jedi oh. Academy. Uh, and then it worked again, but that was an interesting little uh, little sideline. It's cool that it can do that. Yeah, it is. Check check a single file, but yeah, it was also very strange that it did that because I don't know what caused it. Yeah. But uh, so we got out the, that out the way. Um, I didn't stream on uh, Triple Jump on Monday, but uh, I did. I did a bit of. Uh, I played a bit of Stronghold instead, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which was very nice. Well. Sort of. It was re- it was relaxing up to a point. The whole idea was I would play... There's two campaigns in that game. There's the war campaign and the peace campaign. And the war campaign obviously involves building a lot of castles and units and attacking people. The peace campaign is, I thought, or I misremembered it being completely combat-free. Uh, and it's just about like, oh, we need loads of wheat farms to make loads of bread because we're having a bread festival in our castle or whatever, you know? a bread festival. Yeah, we all love a bread festival. Uh, however, uh, like, a- about three missions in, there was a uh, a level where the likelihood that your buildings will catch fire is super high, and, like, every... <laughs> well, not, yeah, sort of every five minutes, really, uh, a-, a handful of your buildings will just go up in flames because... Uh, like the briefing in the mission is, oh, it's a really hot, dry summer's day today. Oh, we better get building our our farms or whatever, and they they all just go up in flames. Um, so that was really stressful. I had to build loads and loads of wells and have people looking after the wells. Um, and then, like two more missions after that, there were actually just there was like a bandit camp up the road and loads of wolves they had to go and kill. So that's the oh, peace God. campaign for you. So the whole idea was it was going to be. You know, uh, lo-fi castles you can study to, and it wasn't. But we had fun all the same. Um, Man, and uh, done a little bit of gaming outside of my streams, which I've not really been doing during this lockdown period. But uh, I, uh, Amy's been playing The Simpsons Hit and Run on PC. Nice. Um, so uh, I've I've dabbled in that a little bit, which oh, it's still a really good game. You know, when we covered it in our Simpsons ranked list. I was sort of looking at it going, oh man, yeah, that was fun. There are, you know, there's a surprising amount of sort of, I guess you could call it exploration. I know essentially the levels are all just a giant looping lap of Springfield. And if you really looked at it, you'd think, hang on, how does anyone ever get in or out of this area? They all just live in a dome, like in the movie. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's quite a lot to uh, to do when you veer off the path and go and you know, start climbing up buildings or or if you ramp off ramps with your car you can find little areas so it's, it's a good it's a really good game and it's, it's aged well enough i think they do mm. all look 
pretty creepy, but you know they're cartoon characters, so what can you do? But, There's uh, been yeah. a, a lot of scuttlebutt about that potentially getting a remaster at some point. I don't oh know my how, god! Yeah. I don't know how true that is. Lots of people, the of that. original director or whatever producer, saying, "Oh, I'd, I'd love to do it at some point." So so on, but I, right. I, I have no idea how likely that is. It's just crazy to me that you know we're getting a SpongeBob rehydrated remake yeah from thq nordic and i know obviously the simpsons license isn't owned by thq nordic but it just seems baffling to me that that game that seemingly is is somewhat similar to hit and run is is the one that's getting a full remake and the simpsons hit and run is still relegated to being emulated or played through slightly dodgy ports you know the Simpsons Hit and Run does not need a remaster. If it only got a remaster, that is that is pointless because I'm not saying it looks great, but I kind of feel like how good can you make it look really in terms of it still having to be Simpsons-y and still having to have basically the same shapes and polygons and things if it's just a, a standard remaster. If they mm. remade it and you know really started to do a few tweaks under the bonnet with like how it plays and stuff like that, that would be very interesting. But yeah, like if they... I would I I don't really see how a remaster can be that warranted other than the fact that it's a good game but you know like they they're going to look a bit weird whatever happens they're 2D characters that are being brought into 3D like it's never going to look perfect so yeah yeah well, it was published by Vivendi Games right yeah and uh, were they not purchased by Activision in the end Vivendi yes. have done a couple of worse games ever I think They've merged merged with Activision. However, I don't know what situation the Simpsons license is in with the whole Disney purchase of Fox yeah, and stuff. True. So that might be complicating things. But we sure know that Activision like to remake things. And Disney like so money. Disney do like money, and that would make money. It would. So do it, please. It's probably yeah. too late now. It's too late. You think? Too late for that to happen. Yeah. Um, we might just get a straight-up port, but I yeah. don't know about it. Don't know about a remake. Either way, it's a good game. Been enjoying it. Yeah. So, uh, what about what about you, Ben? You, what have you been playing? Well, you are looking. No, well, you're not. You're listening to Mister Has Won Call of Duty Warzone twice since the last podcast. Oh wow! Yeah, MLG. Yeah, that's it. Uh, stand stand back. There's a lot of power irradiating from my fingers. Which is where our game powers come from. They certainly do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Won it twice in quick succession, like in the space of two days. And wow. uh, and now I've just been going back to sort of finishing sixth or 57th. Right. You know, one of the two. Uh, but uh, won it in uh, in trios. And I won it in as, as a team of four as well. It was. Yeah. It just went. Just went really well. I tend to find. Here's my. Here's my top tip. Tip. Top tip. Right. Tip. Top tip. Yep. If the circle is closing around like a corner or an edge of the map, if the edge of the map includes sort of the mountainous area that surrounds it, always run up and hide in the mountains and slowly make your way down through tree cover because you always have the advantage up there. Right. Yeah. Um, both times I've won, it's been because we were hiding in the trees, not in, not in a building. You know mm. where everyone can see you. So, yeah, just uh, just won it twice. Very exciting. I I mean I would have been happy with just one win and then retired, but uh, now two wins. There's an expectation for me to you know 
continue winning everything. Yeah, you can't go out on a high now. You have to stay. You no, can't, can't retire. Exactly. I've got to. I've just got to win it in solos now, and then I've won every game mode. But I yeah, don't know how. True. Don't know how likely that is. Screw that. I don't. I don't need that pressure. Um, apart from winning Warzone. I've also uh, carried on playing a little bit of Final Fantasy VII, oh, yeah. and uh, last night I jumped into Mafia Two Definitive Edition. Yeah, you did. I saw it on on the twits. Yeah, it's. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard about this Definitive Edition, Peter. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you can gather from the video I tweeted, but it is. It has. It. Let's just say it's come together beautifully. It certainly and has come together. There is a uh, there's shocking frame rate dips in a lot of areas. The audio mix is completely ruined. Right. So in the cutscenes, they're so really shitty like this because it's really, really loud for some reason. And wow. then you go back to regular gameplay and it's normal. But only some cutscenes are like that. When you start the game, the the sort of studio idents that play on the startup are so loud compared <laughs> to anything else. Um, it automatically signs you in, or if it doesn't automatically, it asks you to sign in to your 2K Games account. Ooh, now, wonderful. if you if you start up the game and immediately boot straight in and resume where you were, it has a nice, big, ugly watermark thing in the top right corner of the screen that says 2K account linked or 2K account login successful. It covers HUD. It fades out when gameplay fades out for a cutscene to come in, and when the cutscene comes in, it fades back in again. Oh, and wow. it will stay there until you back out to the main menu, presumably just let it realise that it's told you that you've signed in, and then you go back in again. Oh, um, God. I had that gameplay, that sort of soft lock, where three minutes into the game, the whole screen went blue, the HUD yep. stayed over the top, and the sound effects and music kept going, but I couldn't see or control anything anymore, and I had to start again. Um, it's just shocking. It sounds like it's... I, I read a few reviews, and uh, let me actually just have a quick look at the score for it at the moment, because they released all of them um, as definitive editions, or at least the first yeah. two. Mafia 2. Definit it's such a shame, because I really like Mafia 2. They're really good games, really, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really good game, and I really enjoyed it. And we got a 4 out of 10 from Push Square. And how do these things happen? Like, how, how does any of that get past QA? I don't understand. Uh, it's got 57 on Metacritic right. at the moment. God. Uh, with the lowest being Bushware. And there we go. And the highest being Jeu Video, also a favourite of ours. Oh, God, it's like a, an episode of Worst Games Ever. It is. The lowest and highest in the Metacritic average. And they gave it 70. So, Pew yeah, whip. really not good. I'm going to keep playing it because I do like the game and... Honestly, having played it through the first time on PS3, the experience isn't hugely dissimilar. PS3 didn't get the best multi-platform yeah. games, especially early on. So uh, I'm going to persevere. It's, it comes with a few nice little uh, definitive edition perks. So the first one of the first missions is you getting your car or you stealing a car. Then you take it back to the garage and there's this ridiculous absolutely doesn't seem right for the time period sports car in there that goes stupid speeds and also in the uh in your cupboard or or your wardrobe there's a load of like tuxedos and suits and stuff that you get like 2k 2k reward you're oh, ah. nice 2k reward bonus uh so yeah there's there's a couple of little perks there it's 
it's not cheap enough, really, to warrant the quality and the, the, and the state that it's in. But uh, I'm going to keep playing it and, and just keep going until it totally breaks, basically. Right. Okay. That's well, my goal. We'll see how long that takes. Probably not long. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I've been playing. Very good. Uh, I think it's therefore time for another question. Do you want to read it? I will. This is from Mad Mike. Hello, lads. What is the best piece of DLC you've ever played? May not have been for a perfect game, just a DLC that you thought went above and beyond. I'm a massive fan of The Citadel for Mass Effect 3 and Blood and Wine for The Witcher 3. What are your favourite gaming add-ons? Shivering Isles. I quite like Shivering Isles. Yeah, I've got an Oblivion one too. Oh, have you? Wow, okay. Yeah, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Uh, I heard about the Shivering Isles. In fact, I think I went round to a friend's house and they they were a latecomer to Oblivion and they'd bought the sort of kind of definitive edition or whatever it was called where it had at least some of the DLC, if not, I think there were, were there only two? There was certainly a second one, the Knights of the Nine, which may be what you're about to say. Yes. Uh, but yeah, in any case, they had uh, the Shivering Isles on disc and uh, they, they popped it in and wandered down to that little island where there's a big head portal on it. And I thought, oh, what is this? And I was I was obviously familiar with the notion of DLC at the time. Like, I, it wasn't an alien concept to me. But I don't think, you know, we're, we're talking quite a number of years ago now. And I don't think I'd actually, at that point, played many games that had DLC. So it was still quite novel to me. And I thought, you know, these downloadable content things, they're normally like a couple of extra missions or maybe just cosmetic things, new items, things like that. We wandered through this portal. There's an entire new world in there with completely new items. And I don't just mean items you can pick up and equipable things. I mean, like, game objects. That's something that I really didn't expect. You know, I thought they would be just reusing all the tree models and landscape models and building models that we've seen before and just, you know, doing them in interesting ways. But, you know, there's all these weird alien-looking plants everywhere, uh, strange creatures... Uh, and it's it's the to top it all off, it's the Daedric sort of realm of madness. I don't know what the terminology would be, but you know it's all sort of wacky and strange. And Sheogorath is there doing slightly terrifying things because he's so chaotic and unstable. And uh, yeah, wow, it it really was like a new game, as they say. I did not expect the sheer depth and volume and uh extent of what shivering isles offered i just i thought it would be another little quest line set just in the ordinary world and it wasn't and i i loved it so much nice i remember Uh, when that came out uh playing on ps3 we didn't because there was some sort of uh exclusivity or timed exclusivity agreement with uh, with Microsoft so yeah. PS3 players didn't get DLC for Oblivion Skyrim or Fallout 3 for ages after release which was a real pain yeah but uh, I do remember playing that one it was amazing yeah it was so it was good great. uh for that reason I felt the same way about Knights of the Nine mm. going on this sort of mystical you know King Arthur's round table quest yeah, you questy know thing and I remember just being the 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 one that blew me away specifically because you were just collecting the various pieces of armor, weren't you? The pieces yeah. of armor and the the sword and the shield. I think it might have been the shield, or it might have been the. 
I think it might have been the shield. Basically, I believe, and I'm probably wrong, and you may be able to correct me here, by this okay. point, you'd already collected the shoes. Right. And the the relic or the item that you needed was on the other side of this chasm. Mm-hmm. And you could see it. But the only way to get to it was to equip the shoes, and then you could walk across this void yeah, to like get the, to the other side. The sort of leap of faith like in Indiana Jones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it took me ages to work it out. I was desperately looking for ways to get across, and I did not. It didn't even occur to me that that would be an option. It took me ages, and I, I, when I finally did it, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. This is the best thing. I love this, uh, especially as someone who'd been playing, you know, vanilla Oblivion for so long mm-hmm. with no knowledge of uh, of 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 what more it could offer. And uh, so I really enjoyed Knights of the Nine. Yeah, um, there was something special about it, like the nature of that quest. Like you say, it was very sort of Arthurian or, you know, it, it did have that Indiana Jones kind of vibe where you were really going on an, an actual adventure like you know all the all of the missions as it were in oblivion are called quests but that really mm-hmm. felt like an actual quest in a in a different way i would say it did yeah absolutely did yeah. uh, I've, I've got a couple of other ones here okay um sticking with uh, bethesda i i don't think it was the best rated dlc that they ended up releasing for fallout 3 but i remember how how exciting it was to play the mothership Zeta or Zeta uh, DLC, where you actually go up on the alien spaceship. Oh, yeah. And seeing all the textures, but they're like shiny and new and everything's yeah. not broken and ruined was so exciting. And uh, and and uh, I loved that whole thing as a result. I think it was a bit samey in the end. You just sort of ran down identical corridors and shot aliens. But that juxtaposition and how weird it was, because mm. everyone I knew would always make a beeline whenever they started Fallout 3, would make a beeline for the crashed uh, alien spaceship right. just yeah. to get the ray gun because it's like the most powerful weapon <laughs> you can get. Um, and uh, and so the whole DLC around that was very exciting. Obviously, also, The Last of Us Left Behind. Oh, of course, yeah. I've, not pl- I've still not played that. Have you not played it? Oh, no, man. and I was thinking... Because I've saw, I I keep forgetting that that exists. I always forget there's there's a DLC for The Last of Us. And then I, at time of recording, I watched last night the state of play for Last of Us Two, and I was like, oh god, hang on, I better play that before. I'm sure it's probably not so intrinsically linked, but I still better get that played before I uh, play the new game. So that's something I'll have to do in the next couple of weeks. It's very good. It's yeah. very good. It's mostly story as well. There's there's some there's a few action bits in there, but it's mostly world building and character building for Ellie. So, mm. seeing as we're about to play a whole game as Ellie, I would I'd recommend it. And exactly, it's yeah. uh, it's bundled with The Last of Us Remastered. Obviously, this is a PSA for people who might not know this. My friend didn't know this. So, if you haven't played Left Behind, but you have PlayStation Plus and you got The Last of Us Remastered a few months ago or whatever, uh, it is included in that. So you don't have to buy it. You can right. just start it up and play it very good very very good stuff though uh last one i've got mass effect 2 uh stolen memory which is the one with kasumi goto where you have to break into the party and get into the guy's vault right and uh, of this big criminal man and you have to go undercover and stuff and that's really good fun i think we covered it in a list that you did about we we, we released around new years yeah we about did fancy um, video game parties parties that we've ruined yeah definitely um and there was I'm trying to think what else was in there. I wanted to say the one from Dishonored, but that wasn't actually in there. The one with the three masked oh, yeah. ladies. Um, 
Probably but Hitman yeah. was in there somewhere. Yeah, it was a Hitman, and there was uh, yeah, it was, it was a good list actually. It was a good idea. Yeah, so go watch that if you're interested. But I, I did like that DLC, and as a result, I played with uh, Kasumi as one of my companions for that whole game. Ah, lovely. Yes. Well, there we go. That's uh, there's some great DLCs for you there, and good DLCs continue to be released. Obviously, uh, uh, Mike mentioned. The, the Witcher 3's expansions, those were both incredible. I loved mm, those. Yeah. Um, but I just picked some, you know, slightly different ones. Yeah. Right. Is All it right. time to get uh, weird? I think it is time to uh, get uh, the weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, got your, uh, you got your card there? Just reaching for it then. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got some, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's not a card, this is a real paper now. And it's real paper. Okay, it's time, everyone, for weird news. 
Guinness World Records has apologised for issuing false copyright claims against dozens of speedrunning videos from just one creator after its automatic, identi- uh, automatic system identified the footage as the company's own. Last August, speedrunner Cosmic set the world record for the warpless category in Super Mario Bros., clocking a time just under 19 minutes. That garnered the attention of Guinness, who reached out to Cosmic to create a video profile of him for its YouTube channel. The video would be based around an interview with Cosmic and would require footage from the record-breaking run, all of which was provided and published in August. Over the weekend, however, Cosmic tweeted to say that Guinness had issued copyright claims against 40 of his Super Mario Bros. videos. As well as claiming Cosmic's footage as its own, Guinness also appears to have issued hundreds of other strikes against other members of the speedrunning community. Guinness investigated Cosmic's claims and clarified the situation a few hours later, saying, This appears to have been an error with the automatic claims from our channel's (sighs) content ID system. That suggests that the system determined Cosmic's footage as its own before scanning YouTube for anything it deemed similar and issuing a claim. Unfortunately, Super Mario Bros. looks a lot like Super Mario Bros., leading to an awful lot of claims. I think especially given um, that... Most speedruns probably look almost identical, especially in a game like that. You know, it's it's down to like frame perfect button presses, and you know there are there are max speeds and jump heights and things. So I, I'm not surprised that it saw one guy's speedrun and thought, "Oh, look at all these very, very, very similar videos where people are all trying to do the same thing." Mm-hmm. Um, so it it ends with. Guinness says that the issue is now fixed and that the claims have been released, apologizing to Cosmic for the mistake. Amazing. Oh. It's almost like the content ID system, even even when YouTube use it, but especially when third parties use it, just doesn't work. It's almost like it doesn't work and that an actual human being would be able to very, very easily sort out the right from the wrong. But no, what we'll do is we'll assume that any content ID match is real before anyone checks it. In fact, no one's going to check it unless the creator says, hang on, can you please check this? You know, that's the system there. Yeah. It, um, I mean, here's something we haven't actually spoken about on the channel, but towards, I think it was towards the end of last year, I think almost all of our Until Dawn streams that we had uploaded yeah. to the main channel, they were all copyright claimed by KSI. Yeah. Because presumably he did a playthrough and then whatever company is in charge of making sure no one re-uploads his videos just scanned for Until Dawn. And yeah. I googled it and, and just searched recently and a lot of people had a similar thing where they just copyright claimed God knows how many people's Let's Plays of Until the Dawn. All, they all look the same, obviously. Because yeah. it's, it's cutscene based, so... It's nonsense. I mean, the fact that, I mean, I think it's incredibly greedy of him and that company to even want to copyright someone else's game anyway. Yeah. They shouldn't even be allowed to do that. There's no reason to be allowed to do that. But it, it just proves, if anything, we, we sorted it out in the end. You know, we, we fought back against the claims and our videos are ours again. But um, it just goes to show that this content ID system simply does not work. It doesn't no. work. No. I've had, uh, and this isn't content ID, and this is this is just a copyright issue in general. But I still think it's a bit petty, and you know things should be case by case. Like the the vods of the Jedi Academy playthrough that have gone up on the channel, 
Every one of them has been struck because it's got little bits of ambient Star Wars music in the background. It's very mm. quiet. It's not like, you know, I've re-uploaded John Williams' album. Uh, it's I'm playing Star Wars. And incidentally, in the background, it's sort of going, you know, da 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 and stuff mm-hmm. and uh you know youtube has gone oh a star wars music uh, we know this that en- one this entire video is not monetizable because no. you have uploaded star wars music you know i can see how it happened i can see why it happened but if you really looked at these things case by case i'm sure there's an argument to say look that's essentially incidental music it's case by it's 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 sort of fair use it's the same as if you if you're filming in like a a restaurant or something and in the background there's uh a bit of pop music like famous pop music people like the bbc can use that footage on you know news reels or whatever without i think having to pay any kind of license fee or royalty because it's incidental mm-hmm. and it's it's no different from that really um you know those guys put that music in their game uh, yeah. But, you know, apparently that's that's me breaking the law. So you are breaking the law and it, it should really be it should almost be a, the, the, the punishment fits the crime because these these streams are over two hours long sometimes. Yeah. And there'll be a 10 second snippet, as was the case last week with my here comes the pain stream. Of course, uh, I watched the rocks entrance in game. And at that point in time, the way that they stylized it was that his video was full screen and then it would fade to him being on the ramp walking down. So there was sort of a 15 minute, 15 seconds, sorry, section of The Rock's 2003 entrance video, full screen. But it still had the banners on the side for streams and it still had me over the top of it in the corner in, you know, in camera form. Yeah. And uh, whoever works for you know whoever does that on behalf of WWE went oh so, so, that's ours that we we know that one that's ours stop get him get him yeah. and and they took the whole thing down they didn't even demonetize it they took the whole thing down because oh of that uh, it's just it's a broken system and it's weighted re- I mean I'm not we're not pretending for a second that people don't take the piss oh you know? sure yeah because people definitely do just re-upload people's stuff but. For people who are genuinely just trying to make a living or make something creative, there there should be there should be contingencies and there should be you know fail safes. But it's just uh, it's so weighted in favour of the claimant with no proof that it's um, it's ridiculous. The worst thing we'll move on from this in just a moment. The worst <laughs> the worst thing about it, I think, is that um, the when a claim is made, and quite often it can be almost instant. If you upload something and the content ID system scans through it and sees something. It can make the claim. Um, and for all the time that a claim is still active, uh, even if you've disputed it and you're waiting for it to sort of go away and, and be resolved, while it's still on there, you don't make any money. All the monetization, uh, if there is any at all, all the ad money goes to the person who has claimed it as their own uh, thing. And then in a couple of days' time, YouTube can come back to you and go, "Oh, sorry, yeah, that was our mistake. Sorry, we we claim we we said that until dawn belonged to KSI, but it doesn't. Sorry about that." But at that point, the money doesn't then come back to you. So you know the the most crucial time period when uploading a YouTube video in terms of how you are able to monetize these things is the first sort of twenty four to forty eight hours. That's when most people are going to watch that video. And if you're wanting to run ads for those first couple of days and then YouTube says, no, you're not running ads or you're not having the ad money anyway, then that 
the the money that you wanted to make from that video will will be gone. It's not yours. So you know yeah. we're trying to run a business. I'm not trying to sound like a money grabbing kind of person, but uh, the the whole point is we make our content to pay our bills and eat our food. You know, at the end of the day. And uh, if if that's going on, where YouTube is saying, well, for the next forty eight hours, you can't make any money off this, even if it turns out we were wrong, um, then you know that's just a really is a broken system when a lot of people now rely on YouTube completely as a livelihood. Mm -hmm. So it is Definitely. it is just a broken system, as you say. That's why you see more and more people doing Patreon now because yeah. they need it. You know, not only do ads pay less, but you have to put up with this nonsense from anyone who wants to claim it. You yeah, know? Uh, it's it's stupid. It's a stupid system and it doesn't work. So yeah. there, the end. That's it. Right, you ready for my weird news? Yeah, can you cleanse our palates with some other weird news, please? I can. I hope this. I hope you will enjoy this one as I did. Okay. This is from Eurogamer, and it's by Emma Kent, and the title is "Someone's Made a Barnard Castle Driving Game in Dreams." <laughs> okay. This may require a little bit of context for overseas listeners, but I love that already. There's there's context in the article. Thankfully. Okay, good. The subtitle is Didn't See That Cummings. Oh, fantastic. Very, very good. The devil works hard, but dreams creators work harder, as within only a day of Dominic Cummings' press conference in the Rose Garden of number 10, someone has already made a minigame to mock one of his most infamous statements. Over the past few days, the Prime Minister's chief advisor, Dominic Cummings, has defended a return trip he made from London to Durham during the height of lockdown restrictions in the UK after both he and his wife had developed symptoms of COVID-19. Durham is a significant distance from London, by Hundreds the way. Hundreds of miles away, yeah. During his time in Durham, Cummings claimed he had driven for 30 minutes to Barnard Castle to see if he could drive safely back to London after his eyesight seemed to have been affected by the disease. Obviously, from top to bottom, that is just a disaster. All of that is yeah. awful. It yeah. doesn't make sense. Indefensible. It doesn't even need breaking down. Everyone can see how that in many ways is terrible. Naturally, large swathes of the internet decided to have some fun with this claim, and apart from writing fake TripAdvisor reviews for Barnard Castle, uh. it seems at least one person has converted the statement into a video game, into a minigame, sorry. Dominic needs to get back to work, but his eyes have gone all weird, reads the description for 30 miles to Barnard Castle. Best drive to Barnard Castle with his kid, just to make sure it's safe to drive to London. Created by Stevie128K, the game requires the player to avoid a variety of obstacles while driving at high speed towards Barnard Castle, <laughs> all with foggy vision, coughing noises, and a loud child in the back as distractions. <laughs> There's even a timer if you feel like challenging yourself to a speedrun. While not the most elegant minigame made in dreams, it's pretty amusing, and does an effective job at highlighting the significant frustration and anger many feel towards the statements made by Cummings earlier this week. Now all we need is a leaderboard for fastest times, is what it says. I'm going to send you a screenshot now. Oh, brilliant. Um, on Slack. There you go. I do With recommend... coughing noises and loud child in the back, or whatever it was. That's amazing. It is amazing. I do recommend everyone watch the video. Oh, jeez. Um, that when when you get a chance because it is amazing it's just a man going <coughs> oh bloody hell oh, <laughs> oh got to get to the castle and then there's this whoever's created this has clearly just recorded their child 
just going, Daddy, I want to go to the castle, Daddy. Are we nearly <laughs> at the castle, Daddy? And there's just boulders and and oncoming traffic. It's amazing. It's so ridiculous. But, wow, that's uh, wonderful. I love how it's the actual castle as well. Because uh, Barnard Castle is is a, it's the name of a town or a village. Oh. Um, which probably, I'm guessing, still has a castle in some form or other, whether it's ruined or not, in it. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I I don't think so. This is one not that this remotely excuses anything, but a lot of people think that he drove to an actual physical fortress somewhere in Britain to test his eyesight uh, on the journey. But mm-hmm. I I'm guessing he's referring to just the village rather than anything else. But in any case, he shouldn't have been driving. If you no. can't see, don't put your kid in the. I said I wouldn't break it down, but you know, don't, yeah. don't put your kid in the back seat and drive, you idiot. It's, you shouldn't it's be driving all... the length of the country anyway. If you've got no. COVID nineteen symptoms, there's something wrong with you. If you think that's okay, if you're a government advisor, that's especially not okay. Yeah. If you can't see, you shouldn't drive. Yeah. Well, because I think the the real thing is that didn't happen. I don't think that's why he was driving. You know, he'd already been seen by someone in Barnard Castle before he admitted to it. So yeah. there were people talking about like, oh, you know, people think he might have driven up to Durham. And then someone else said, some member of the public said, oh, I think I saw someone who looked like him in mm-hmm. Barnard Castle one day. So they had to admit that he'd been there. And and so they had to come up with an excuse or a reason as to why he'd been. And the best they could come up with was, oh, uh, yeah, my eyes are a bit funny. So I, I put my kid in the car and drove there to see if I would crash or not. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, regardless of your political affiliation, that's indefensible, especially given all the government guidance and uh, all the medical advice and everything like that as well. Uh, And also, uh, the story has since changed, by the way. Gove did a statement and said, oh, he just went there for a walk. So it's all a load of nonsense. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, they're just falling over themselves to protect each other, and it's absolutely disgraceful. Uh, Either way, he has now been mocked in dreams, which I think we can all agree is the is the most uh, upsetting way to be mocked. Yeah. Also, check out how symmetrical that castle wall is. That's pretty it's, good. It's really good. No no lumps or bumps at all. No. Nice bit Perfect. of mossy cobblestone as well. Yeah. Got another question here. Yeah, we have. We've got a question right here. Uh, this one is from Rexy Adar. Hello, Rexy. Hello. Rexy says, Hello, boys. First time I've had the time to comment in a long while. Being an essen- uh, being an essential employee is so much fun. Well, thank you, Rexy, for your essential work that's thank you. kept and keeping the country ticking over. Uh, hope you're both well. You've talked about comfort games that help us through rough times, but are there any games that you associate almost exclusively with good times? Skyrim will always have a special place in my heart, since my brother and I bonded over passing the controller back and forth and just having a wonderful time. Are there any games like that for you? Hang in there and and tell Ben's fishes I said hi. They say hi hi back. Excellent, thank you, Rexy. Good question. Thank you. Uh, I think I'm, I've mentioned in the past that Time Splitters Three Future Perfect. Mm. I uh, I used to play co-op with my sister, who's a couple of years younger, and really wasn't into games as as a general rule. But for some reason. I don't know I don't know what she saw in it but she really enjoyed actual first person shooter uh time splitters. <laughs> so we played through that game time and again in co-op mode um and even when you know when I was playing solo I forever enjoyed that game. It was at a time where uh you know I don't think I had any sort of stress at school because I don't think I had any proper exams at that time. And other than that, like, what is there in in your life to kind of bother you when you're a 
white cis male child who's not doing his GCSEs yet. So I just remember playing that game uh, with my sister, uh, bonding over the game, like Rexy says, with uh, Skyrim. And even when I was playing solo, just just having fun in the in the map creator, which was super super fun, uh, and and playing the arcade challenges and stuff like that. Really good game. Uh, likewise, I uh, there's a, a Duke Nukem game, Duke Nukem game for PS One mm-hmm. uh, called Time to Kill, Duke Nukem Time to Kill, and I. Played a little bit of the single player in that game um, when I eventually owned a copy of it. But my very, very uh, strong memories of that game actually are from a few years prior when I would go around to gaminguncle.png to play multiplayer in Duke Nukem Time to Kill, which was super fun. Uh, There were some really interesting like things. Considering it was a PS1 deathmatch mode... Uh, there were actually some really interesting mechanics in there. There were jetpacks, which was super cool. Um, and there were also these false walls where it just looked completely like a normal wall. But if you walked up to it and like pressed the climb up button, he would like jump up onto a ledge and just phase through the wall. Uh, and there were like rocket launchers hidden behind the walls and stuff. And I have just these really vivid memories of playing the same couple of maps over and over again. Um, but just having a great time, just whizzing around on jetpacks and you know, finding secret rooms and things. Uh, so that's the same kind of thing. It was just from a time where I was very happy. I didn't have a lot of things stressing me in life. And uh, yeah, strong association there. Amazing. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I've put uh, Borderlands 2 as mm-hmm. mine because I was that was a game I was really looking forward to, having loved Borderlands 1. And when it came out, I distinctly remember... I was at university at the time, and I remember I went to... I think I pre-ordered it from Blockbuster... Right. No, I pre-ordered it from somewhere else, and it, the pre-order fell through or something. I really wanted to get one of those, you know, that there was a special edition that had a loot chest, and Ooh. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And they sold out of them everywhere, so I had to settle for... Um, I ended up cancelling my online pre-order, and I went into town on the day it came out, and I went to Blockbuster, and I bought it from Blockbuster, and because they were just desperate for anyone to give them any kind of business... They uh, they also gave me this massive poster with it as well, like a proper card-backed poster. Oh, nice. Um, and it was huge, really big, and it had all the characters on it, and it was awesome, and I don't know where it is now. Oh, either. no. I might have thrown it away because I just, you know, it moved around several university houses, damp mm. houses, and it was probably just absolutely ruined in the end. But I remember sitting in uh, the garage that I, that I lived in, when I was staying at my parents Um, and I had my TV out there and I was sitting there with my big Borderlands poster and I started playing Borderlands 2 and I've been looking forward to this game for ages. I think I I also bought myself a bar of dairy milk from the Blockbuster as well. So I was just eating squares of chocolate while also playing through this game and absolutely loving it. Just all by myself, happy as Larry, having a great time. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, Borderlands 2, I think. I just I just loved that game. It just blew me away completely when I played it through the first time. Well, it's funny you say about sitting there eating the chocolate because I wrote a third one at the bottom of this list uh, that I wasn't sure if I was going to mention or not. But I got Tekken Tag Tournament as one of the games that came with my PS2 when I got it for Christmas. And mm. also that Christmas, I got given a big box of wine gums 
Mm-hmm. And I remember on Christmas Day sitting there playing Tekken Tag and just having fistfuls of wine gum because it was <laughs> Christmas Day and I was allowed, even though it was 10 o'clock in the morning, yeah. I was allowed to just like fill my mouth with wine gums. Um, and now whenever I play Tekken Tag or hear the soundtrack, I sort of think of loads of wine gums, the taste of loads of them together all in my mouth and it makes me want them. And likewise, sometimes... Uh, I will get bought wine gums by my parents because they know I like them, like, if it's my birthday or whatever. And when I eat them, I think about tech and tag. They're just intrinsically linked in my head. So that's like a third answer where it doesn't remind me necessarily of happy times other than that one Christmas day. Uh, mm-hmm. But it reminds me of a happy moment of just gorging on sugary, just sugar, sugary yeah. gum. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have the same thing. Honestly, I have the same thing from a different Christmas. I also think I just smacked the desk, so I'm sorry if that was loud. Um, I was playing This Is Football on PS1, and I had a bar of Galaxy chocolate. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like a big one, and I remember just just chowing down on Galaxy chocolate while I think I turned off red cards and fouls. Right. Because I I was really bad at the game, so I used to just slide tackle the goalkeeper when he was holding the ball, and that's how I would score. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's something about that, isn't there? Yeah. Just food-related memories. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Oh, I want some wine gums now. <laughs> Go get some. Go and ask. Go and ask. Might have some for you. Yeah. It's time, everyone, for a... you got your paper. It's time for a big discussion... Big discussion time. This week's big discussion comes from Reese Savage. 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 Hi, guys. First time I've been able to contribute on Patreon to yourselves after enjoying your content for such a long time. Thank you, Reese. Reese Untley. I went uh-huh. to purchase Tekken 7 during a recent, recent uh, uh-huh. PS store sale as it was at a reasonable pr- <laughs> price. Luckily, just before purchase, I resalized the price. Stop now. The price was almost too good to be true as it was just for the base game and had no idea they were now building towards season four of content. My question is, do you think it's a good thing for games like Tekken, Mortal Kombat and Call of Duty to be released with so many seasons planned to be added on di- uh, additionally? especially for those like myself that might have missed playing it from the beginning and now find myself three seasons behind in terms of characters, stages, and general standards of online play. Thanks for the content, guys. Thank you, Reese. Uh, this is one of the reasons I didn't pick up Tekken 7. I've long... Reasons. Si- re- <laughs> please, please stop. Okay. Oh. No, it's okay. Uh, I've long been a Tekken fan, uh, not just from the times I ate the wine gums, but from before then. Um, but uh, I started to go off it I mean Tekken 6 I didn't enjoy that much anyway but certainly when Tekken 7 came around I was like oh you know maybe I'll give this a go now because I didn't play Tekken 6 much but you know I'll get back into it and then when I realised it was going to have this seasonal thing I was like okay yeah I'm I'm out now I'm getting off the ship and I don't really want to get back on it Um, you know I I like uh, stuff that is added to a game periodically as as a general rule, because it can quite often um, almost force uh, the developers to come up with lots of new stuff at, a, at regular intervals. So, for example, the Grand Prix in Crash Team Racing, mm-hmm. they always added at least one character uh, during you know each each Grand Prix, 
um, sometimes more than one. And it's always nice to find out what the new races are in, in a game like that. You always want to see who you're going to play as. So that's a really good thing. And likewise, Star Wars Battlefront 2, you know, they got into the habit of like doing fairly regular updates and adding, you know, again, whole new characters like playable heroes and things, um, uh, interesting new locations from the films. And in that respect, I don't mind seasonal updates or, 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 or seasonal uh, content. Um, in the sense that it, it it kind of forces the hand of the developers to constantly be coming up with new new ideas. However, the aspect I don't like about it, obviously, is that it invariably costs money and you have to get a season pass for the next season. Now, in the case of Crash and uh, Star Wars Battlefront, you wouldn't necessarily, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't call those seasons per se. They're just regular updates because you don't have to pay for a new Grand Prix or for the next map on Battlefront. So... You know, they're, they're more examples of what I do like uh, as opposed to the true nature of the season pass, which is something I don't really enjoy because it's just that old that old chestnut of like, hey, I've paid however much money for this actual game and, you know, you're now holding back on me and expecting me to pay more money for characters that you probably came up with in the boardroom right at the start uh when you when you first you know were thinking of developing this game you're thinking oh we'll have all these characters all these locations and we'll just keep those ones back for the seasonal uh the seasonal content you know that really bugs me so mm-hmm. uh you know it's not really a, a particularly uh groundbreaking opinion that i've got here but that's that's how i feel about it well it's one that we share friend it's yeah. one that we share the seasons are a bit much for me yeah uh, i understand like a season pass where you get everything for one additional purchase, like, mm. for example, Borderlands. I know uh, the WWE 2K games do it as well, except that one time where they didn't and you bought the season pass and they released some content that wasn't part of the season pass, and yeah. that's not fair. Um, I'm all right with DLC. I get it, okay? I feel like, you know, everyone's everyone's had a good moan about DLC in the past. There's, there's places, as we spoke about earlier, where DLC, DLC has done really well, and then there's other places where I think I want to say Dead or Alive where they have hundreds of pounds worth of add-on, you know, costumes and stuff like that, which is just kind of disgusting, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of stuff shouldn't be premium, and it's totally unacceptable. Uh, but season seasonal content, especially if it's paid for, is it's just too much. Uh, unless you're a hardcore fan, and like, even if you are, uh, if, it almost feels like you're being sort of nickeled and dimed yeah. Especially if it's a game you've already paid for. It's it's obviously different if it's free to play, uh, but the point still stands that it can be a bit confusing. You know, I start up Warzone, and after every game, I get shown the flashiest, most overwhelming casino-style yeah. endorphin-releasing animations and, you know, battle pass information that you could possibly imagine. And it makes no sense to me. They're all different colors and sizes and... It's it, all it wants is me to pay, my, and I know that I'm paying. I'm playing a free to play version. Warzone is free to play, and I so they get some leeway in that sense. But it, it, the way they've laid out does not make me want to buy that battle pass at all. Yeah, it puts me right off it. Um, as far as Reese's question goes, though, it can be of some advantage to latecomers, like to to a game, especially if companies are basing their a business model around seasonal content which you and I don't really like because it mm. feels like they're holding stuff back because they will inevitably offer low prices on the base game. So if you are late to the party and you do just want to check out a game, 
then you're probably going to benefit from that because I get it. You know, it's a real shame you're going to you're going to pick up Tekken 7 and everyone online's playing with these ridiculous characters and they've got access to all these stages that you won't. But at the very least, uh, very least, sorry, at the very least, you'll be in a position where you can get the base game for probably really cheap and you can at least it, it de- ultimately depends what you want to get out of it. You know, uh, yeah. the nature of these the seasonal content model means that the base game will be going cheap and if you just want to experience the game play through the story or whatever it is that the game offers then that's gonna benefit you but i still think in the long run it's it's probably pretty harmful because it will put people off it put reese off buying tekken 7 Mm. um it you know it's it put you off buying tekken 7 yeah it puts me off playing things like the division but beyond the fact that I think that game just looks really tedious and I'm not even remotely interested, it's just there's. I just don't, I'm not a huge fan of seasonal stuff, uh, like battle passes and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's good. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not so uh, against a season pass as you say, in the sense where you can commit to that. Um, maybe quite early on and that will give you access to you know a whole host of stuff all 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 bundled in um i guess what frustrates me is that and maybe maybe i've used the terminology wrong but i when i was looking up this sort of uh for my answer for this question last night um i, sh- I saw people referring to the the tekken season tekken 7 season 4 pass so right. in a sense that you can't uh, it's not like when Tekken 7 came out, you could get like the full season pass um, and that would give you access to everything they release in future, which is how some games do it. You know, you just buy one pass from the beginning and they say, hey, if you go the extra mile and, and fork out a big chunk of money right now, you can have everything we ever release, you know. And in yeah. that sense, you know, at least you can make that decision yourself and think, OK, look, it's a one off payment and then I'll have everything. But it looks to me like um, they have sort of smaller passes um with these tekken seasons uh where you can you can buy them bit by bit and that really does feel a bit dishonest um mm-hmm. i'm not saying that they're, they're advertising it as though you will have access to everything and that they're literally misleading people but just the idea that you know you pay for season one and then season two comes out you pay for season two you pay for season three it's just it's kind of relentless and they'll just carry on doing it for as long as people are buying it and uh yeah it's it's frustrating to know that that is happening with uh with a a franchise that i used to really enjoy and used to be really simple and basic and you would buy the disc unlock the characters in arcade mode and just have a good time and now it's not as simple as that it's not and it's even worse for annualized games as well you know, Call yeah. of Duty has these battle passes and stuff, and there's a new one every year. So they, it's, it's in, it's. If it wasn't transparent enough that they just want to make as much money off you as possible, they are literally, they literally now have a plan where they will sell you a game in November, charge you in February, May, October for for different battle passes, so they can continue to make money from you all year, and yeah. then sell you another one and do it again. You know, yeah. sell you another game and do it all over again. It's it's money grubbing, really. You know, it's it's always I know, they're their businesses and so on and so forth. But you don't have to support these, and you don't have to buy them. That's why I'm put off from them anyway. I know, but clearly people buy them. Yeah, um, I know lots of people buy the you know the the Fortnite passes or whatever, and the Apex passes. But it's just like it's just too much. Like I can't imagine committing so much to a multiplayer game 
no. that I would want to play it that much full stop, let alone pour that much money into it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it feels like if you buy that, then you've got to sit there and play it until the next battle pass comes. Yeah, to get your money's worth. Yeah, I just, yeah. no, I don't want that. Um, so, yeah, I do, we totally get you, Reese. Um, it, it is off-putting. But try and do 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 try and make the most of these of these games being super cheap, or at least the base versions. If you yeah. if you just want to experience them, you know, might as well take advantage. And who knows, you might be a battle pass convert. Hey, hey maybe, but uh, probably not. Probably not. Mm. I don't want to be. No. Well, let us know what you think about everything we've spoken about today in the comments below, especially about battle passes and seasonal updates and things like that. Remember, there is a difference between a season pass. We're not talking about DLC. We're talking about the specific seasons that games do to try and generate more revenue and add more content and stuff. Do you support those? Do you use them? Let us know. Be genuinely curious. Peter, Mm -hmm. where can people find us? People can find us doing content and stuff on youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump we stream over there as well uh we're we're modded when we stream by lord brotovich and cecil prumps they do an excellent job we got social media twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump luke eldon looks after facebook thank you luke you're doing an excellent job Mm. uh we got a patreon as well patreon.com forward slash team triple jump all kinds of rewards there you can ask questions on this podcast you can get worst games ever early you can get all kinds of interesting things go and look at what's there do it do Do it it. in a few minutes when the podcast is over we've got a discord bit.ly forward slash team triple jump that's modded by jack and joe and crimson dragonfly they're also doing a great job the mm-hmm. podcast is available in audio form if you're watching on youtube at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump we've got a website triple j.mup that's ju.mp we have a careers tab which at the moment has had the recent jobs taken down from it but uh, always keep an eye out. We will be looking for freelancers, I'm sure, in due course. And finally, all of our live stream VODs are available at triplej.mup forward slash VODs or youtube.com forward slash triplejumpvods. Yes. I, I think. I shouldn't yes. have even gone there because it's not written in the running order. But no, you I are right. I would. That is yeah. it. That's the one. Okay. Uh, you can follow Peter on Instagram, that Peter Austin. I have temporarily deactivated my Instagram. Wasn't really oh. using it. Brings okay. me no joy. So mm-hmm. you won't find me on there anymore. But you can follow Peter at, at that Peter Austin. We're both on Twitter at that Peter Austin at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday and Thursday streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday being on YouTube. That's the joint stream. Blaze it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday being the solo streams on Twitch. Worst Games Ever is fortnightly. Friday for patrons, Sunday for everyone else. It is a Worst Games Ever week. Hope you enjoyed it yesterday, $5 patrons. And uh, everybody else will be able to enjoy that on Sunday if you're listening to this at the time of release. Podcast is every Saturday. And we've got new shows. We're doing them. They are actually happening. Um, Peter's working on one as we speak. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it'll be with you very soon. So we hope you enjoyed that. Please leave a review on iTunes, etc. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. And uh, what else we got here? We got a new shirt. A whole yeah, yes, new we have. Sorry, shirt. We were waiting for some sort of reaction from me there. Dare close your eyes. I, I was also <clears throat> sort of choking on my own saliva there. Oh, I see. For a yeah. second. Mm. Uh, but yes, we have a new shirt. It is a piss mushroom shirt, timely as ever. 
we've had all sorts of uh, supply issues, which is why it's taken so long. Mm. Uh, but it is amazing artwork provided by Robin Lau in the community. Yeah. And uh, it is Peter in the little uh, BB tank and me as, as uh, what's his name, Norman Reedus. And there's a yeah. few piss mushrooms around us as well. It's a beautiful shirt. It's available right now, triplejur.mup forward slash shop, if you'd like to have a look at that. Uh, as Peacher, as Peacher, that's you now. Yes. As Peacher mentioned about the jobs, we want to thank everyone who's, who's applied for the various positions we had open. Uh, as far as the writers go, everyone has now been contacted. I want to thank everyone for applying. The, this was the strongest set of applications we've ever had mm -hmm. uh, so competition was really really tough but as peter said there will be uh, openings at various points in the future so please keep an eye out for those we really want to hear from you again um, i should say uh if i haven't already by the time this podcast goes out i will get in touch with every single video applicant whether they were successful or un unsuccessful uh we've only recently closed the uh the the ad for that one that was uh, a week after the writers so i'm looking through those making a decision i will be in touch with everyone with an answer uh if i haven't already done so by the time this podcast goes out but it will be soon if not yeah excellent there is a big list coming, hopefully next week. Another mm. ranked list. We hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a divisive one, I would imagine. <laughs> Very um, subjective ranked list, but yeah. uh, we, we hope you enjoy it, and please do give it a watch. It's uh, coming together not beautifully because that means it isn't in our lexicon it's True. really coming together very nicely so i hope you enjoy that and hopefully it should be with you on wednesday yeah. so keep an eye out for that right just enough time to go through the sponsor for this week we are of course sponsored by the last of gus spin-off mm. about get this is this is what i've written here these are my notes for me okay the last of gus hyphen spin-off about a guy named gus hyphen mushroom farmer whose business is threatened by a world dooming pandemic that's it that's, all that's it. That's everything. That's the whole thing. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Don't drive to Durham. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye, yeah. everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye. bye everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.